Hello and welcome to my podcast, The Wellbeing Bean. I'm Dan Salter and I've been known as the coffee guy for over 20 years. As some of you might be aware, I've been running No Ego, an espresso lounge and coffee roastery in Ormo on the Gold Coast. I've spent a lot of time educating coffee people and customers about the health benefits of coffee, specifically caffeine-free. And it's time to let everybody know about it here on the Gold Coast and around Australia and through the world with this podcast. FreeCaf is the next generation of caffeine-free coffee. So grab yourself a coffee, sit back, relax, walk, run, drive, whatever you're doing, and listen to this. Over the past 30 years of coffee, a number of topics repeatedly come up, and this one's been around for a while. I think the first time I was asked about it was in the 90s, uh, and it was trending in LA. Um, Colonic irrigation and coffee enemas. Today I have Sue Wilson from Bottoms Up Colonics and Cultured Cuisine to talk about this and more. Sue has a clinic here on the Gold Coast and several other locations, which you can find out more information if you go to... Bottomsupclinics.com.au Welcome to the Wellbeing Bean, Sue. It's lovely to have you here. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. That's great. great. It's just a topic that, um, you know, over the years, it just, just keeps popping up. And uh, it, it has, in the last two years, been of interest to me because I've got... Um, personal relationships with people who are dealing with cancer and this is what we're going to talk about further on um firstly i'd like to find out about your journey and how it started and where you've come from and how you ended up in the industry oh my goodness that's a big story (laughs) it's all right (laughs) my childhood my childhood i was actually is a part of my story because it's really connected me to the elements of mother earth and understanding cycles of life i guess and my parents even though farmers were very much into that um you know my mum would get us out and look at the full moon when it was there or the cactus that was flowering once every blue moon we had to go look at that were they biodynamic farmers? No, no, they were. They, they, no, no, they were just normal farmers. They were caught up in the chemical industry, like that is with capitalism in the countryside. But, but also still very aware of, I guess, practices that maybe they grew up with, but mm. weren't so much financially viable anymore in the in the climate because really the farmers didn't have a big say really yeah. when when seed companies and fertilizer companies come in. Like Monsanto Good is like Monsanto. our it's like our pharmaceutical companies really. Yep. That's another story. So, yeah, so just that really beautiful start in my life, I guess, and then going into social work and working with trauma and understanding really that nearly 20 years gave me a whole lot of understanding about how people's minds work, I guess, and how we deal with different trauma and all of the counselling and healing that needs to happen around that. And then, you know, a boat trip and a couple of kids and... You sort of Tell get a bit burnt out. What, what happened with the boat trip? <laughs> That's what got me out of social work in a way, and that got me from New South Wales to Queensland. So that was with my son's dad, and we built a little trimaran, a little tent on water, I called it, just 28 foot. And I do like to say to people that when we built that, it, that took four years, and my son, who we didn't plan but totally loved... He, I built him in nine months, so I think that's like a feat for us women, you know. <laughs> so, yeah, we built that boat, that, that trimaran. It did take us four years, but we did. We sailed up from Sydney, and we ended up in... Um, went, got up to Bowen, I guess, and we come back and stopped in Airlie Beach, and that's really where I found 
That's how we stopped. The, the, the boat got too small. It was full of Thomas the Tank Engine and my son was 18 months by the time we went. So Lego. trying to go to bed and trying to get past the Lego, Thomas yeah. the Tank Engine and Bob the Builder, it was like a mission. It was like, yeah. oh, my God, I need a – I was in a big toy box, it felt like. Lots of things. But it was – so then being and going back into social work, <clears throat> I did feel very burnt out. I, I worked with very much hard-end kids, is what people would say, kids yeah. in care, kids state wards, coming yeah. out of institutional care. So huge trauma, huge, huge trauma, thinking that I had to find something different. And one thing led to another. And, you know, I ended up buying the wellness centre in Ellie Beach, which I had no idea about how to run a business, let alone work with people's bodies. I wasn't going to touch a body. I thought that was quite grotesque, right? Yeah. Like you didn't do that. I had a client who who come in, cause I, and I was just going off for counselling, consulting work and counselling. But I did have, I ended up doing some learning about energy work and energy in the body. And that really interested me because it probably linked me in a little bit into this. It opened me up to the thought about cellular memory right. and where we don't just store a memory in our brain. We store it in each, every single cell in our body. Um, and that's why we can then manifest um, different diseases yeah. I believe in different parts of our body yeah. and there will be a um, emotional link to that if we choose to go down that path and discover that. Kinesiology is very based around that sort of thing isn't it? Yeah. Kinesiology is based about body memory yeah yeah, yeah very much so. Yeah so a client there at the wellness centre in Ellie Beach told me about colonic hydrotherapy and I thought it was disgusting, to be honest. It's like, there's no way. And then I thought, I had cl- I had therapists visiting the clinic, so they would come in and do acupuncture or chiropractic or massage, so it was like that type of clinic set up. <clears throat> so I thought, I didn't know anything about it, so I thought she would just come and offer that service there. I didn't understand that everything had to be plumbed in and All it was right. quite, a, quite a mission, right? Yeah. So she wasn't able to do that. But in meeting with her, she was down here on the Gold Coast, actually. In meeting with her, she um, gave me a colonic, which I was mortified about. It was yeah. like, oh, my God, no way. And I've got to say, I had a, co- a constipation problem all of my life. Mm. I, I could go weeks and not go to the toilet. Oh. Just, yeah. <laughs> and people say, how does that happen? And this is what people, like, around constipation is that if you grow up not going to the toilet, you, do, you lose the urge. Yeah, right. So you might every month, like every month or so, I would get extreme excruciating pain that you would have to work your way through. I'd lie on a tile floor and all that type of stuff just to try and breathe through it. Is it common? Very common. If really? You, yeah, and I think if you, go into the, if you go into the chemist and look about how many laxatives you find on a shelf, yeah. like there's actually an aisle of products to make people poop. And they actually say to go to the doctors, 80% of reasons people go to the doctors is because of constipation or bowel issues. Wow. So it's a huge percentage that we don't talk about because it's underneath the belly You're button. Sure. Yeah. And that's been my whole thing because when I worked in social work, I worked with everything because I worked with a lot of sexual abuse and we didn't we don't talk about that as a community so um, my whole job in when I worked with youth workers and foster carers and such in my training it was teaching them about how to work with this trauma sexual trauma so I felt like I stepped into colonics and it was like oh I'm stepping into the other unspeakable like we now we talk Mm. about poo like no one talks about poo we don't we don't do that and people can I had a client that had been married for more than 20 years and never she wouldn't go to the toilet if her husband was around you know like you just don't do that 
So, um, or people that don't go to the toilet in public toilets, so they hold on and that causes a whole lot of other problems. So, yeah, so it was, I did have a, and in fact, the therapist was going to send me to the doctors. She thought I actually had quite a, a structural issue going on. And then the heavens opened up and it was like, oh my God, but without going into detail that because I don't want to turn your ears <laughs> off. But um, it changed my life. It literally did. I went out after that session and went, wow, there's something in this. And then that night it was like, gosh, I've got a body. And it was like the first time. It was actually in the car and I looked in the rear vision mirror and I saw my body and it was like I had this real connection for the first time ever to my body. And that's another thing we don't realise, mm. that we get cut off from our body. We're so disassociated because... Particularly now, we live in a very busy world and we um, have been taught that if we get a pain, we take a pill. Yeah. We don't, you know, and we want that quick fix. Yeah. You know? Absolutely. So um, that, was, that was pivotal for me. So it was really about learning about that connection or having that experience of connecting into my body that took me on a whole road of colon hydrotherapy whole big journey but it wasn't just about dealing with constipation it was also the emotions that we store yeah. in our gut and that's yeah. where my social work and colonics come together yeah, yeah. Right. you opened a, a clinic in Mackay was it yeah so my first clinic I laugh about this too because the first clinic actually was an hour north of Mackay <laughs> at a place called Cathy State Forest so because there'd be a huge demand for it there you'd think you not. would <laughs> be in a mining town and they're all really open to that type of thing no it's quite bizarre and it, I even opened it up and I say to my clients that we still see to this day nearly 20 years later they still will go into our Mackay clinic but this was at a place called Cathy State Forest and it was basically sheds where I first opened up I would still see 20 people a week and this is what made me think that there's something like there's something in this is unspeakable that we don't talk about um, and the responses that I was getting from people, and you really are self-taught. Like I did do a course; it was actually a, a certified, government-accredited colon hydrotherapy course at the right. time. Actually, learning the technique and what we do, and then linking all my stuff in around the emotions, and then down the track, the spirit as well. It was like, wow, this is this is phenomenal work. So yeah, it took me on. So yeah, I did. I opened up an hour uh, north of Mackay in some sheds that I did up into these beautiful clinics. You walked into the clinic and it was lovely, but coming to a stranger's place, to looking on the outside like these tin sheds, having a colonic, it's like, oh my gosh, um, how brave. I don't know that I would have done that. I I think that's the thing that uh, gets me. It's, It's that braveness. And country folk are brave. They are. They are. And there's times when they just go well beyond what you'd think that anyone would do. And word of mouth is strong, you know. Mm. So it was a big word of mouth happened there, and um, and then it wasn't. It was probably a couple of years, and people in Mackay, because that was the main. Because it was I was sort of in the middle of Mackay and Alley Beach. Yep. And it was really Mackay, and they suggested. I had a lot of clients saying, you know, please come to Mackay, open up in Mackay. So yeah, we opened up in Mackay in 2009, and it, that clinic's still there today. Yeah. So you also do cultured 
foods. Cuisine, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so when I first started Clonics again, it was like, gosh, there's so much into this. And so this is where my farming thing comes in because my dad was very, even though he wasn't biodynamic, he, he would talk often about soil and the quality of soil. So yeah. you can only have, your food's ever only going to be as good as the quality of your soil. Correct. When I was learning Clonics and looking at that, it was like, wow, then we're really just an internal compost. Like when I started to understand the colon and what its job is, because its its job is the bacterias and the enzymes. People often think enzymes are just from your pancreas and in your small intestine, but we have naturally occurring enzymes in foods that break those down. And that is also in the colon. So we've got these bacteria that most people will know about now with probiotics, um, and they break that food down, and that turns it into a mulch. So then that's, and so we actually have to have a really good environment for those bacteria to work. So that was really my connection. And I've always, and I've talked about that. If you speak to clients that I've worked with all of my life from way back then, I would talk to them about that your colon is where, it's like your garden. Mm. So if I, it's your compost bin. So if I go and put this stuff, the food that you've eaten in the last week, if I put this stuff on the compost bin, is it going to make it smell good or bad? Yeah, like, right. What, what, what do you want to do with that? And I think that's just a really easy way for people Logical. to Time choose to about what foods to eat, right? Yeah. If it's not alive, then it's not going to offer any aliveness to your compost bin and it will probably rot and go yucky. So that's when I started Culture Cuisine, yeah. yeah. The, um, we had Don Chisholm in yep. a couple of series ago and his, his most poignant quote to me we are not what we eat nowadays. It's what we absorb. It's what we absorb. Yeah. And you talked about Monsanto and, yeah. you know, glyphosate and all those sort of things that stop us from absorbing all those things. Totally. I think that's pretty incredible um, in terms of what we are actually ingesting at the moment here in, in, in Australia and the fact that we're allowed to or our farmers are allowed to spray with, with glyphosate and, and Roundup and where it's not allowed in, um, I think, over in the UK or in Europe, it's been banned. I think there's a lot to be said for that because, you know, our high levels of my theory, and I'm not a professional, but I just see the link of intolerances that we have to, to all sorts of things. And that's possibly, I don't know, whether we're not absorbing, whether or not we're not producing the right chemicals in our body, you know, able to process things and break them down. The, the toxins that we are living with now is way more than we're... Like, if we have studies that show that the umbilical cord, when the, if we test the baby's umbilical cord, there's 133 toxins in there at birth. So that's before the baby's even had a chance to... And, and the processes that they may go through in our... In, in, in the next five years of their life because that's the most crucial. Oh, absolutely. And the, 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 what you're talking about, the absorption, that all comes back to your leaky gut. So most people will have leaky gut. Yeah, right. And um, absorption is very low for people. So this is when we talk about, when people come into our clinics and talk about supplements, the amount of supplements they're taking. And I often ask, do you think it's making any difference? Does it make you feel better? And often it will be, oh, I don't know, but they say it should. Mm. It's, it's not. And, and even with probiotics, if you're taking very expensive probiotic capsules, if you go and do some research, you'll find that the chances of those bacteria getting into your colon is pretty low, right. like very, very low, if not 0%. Because our bodies, are, and this is where the fermented foods comes in, because yep. the, the, um, the stomach is acidic. 
Mm-hmm. And bacteria are going to not get through that stomach. Right. It needs to be acidic. It, its job is to be acidic to stop break us food. from getting sick yeah. and to, yes, break food down. And that's another reason we don't absorb as well is because we... Because we are busy and we're in that stress cycle, mm. so if your your body is made to either rest and digest or um, fight or flight, fight or flight, like so, you're either going to run away from your tiger, or you're going to eat your cake. Yeah. You know, you can't do both things at once. Yeah, right. And so, and that's why when people go into shock or in fight and flight, they might get diarrhoea or feel a bit funny in the tummy or vomit or whatever. And it's because your body's got to get rid of what's ever in the stomach or what's ever in that digestive tract, so that all the energy can go to your muscles and your yeah. blood and all that type of stuff. So we don't, that does not allow any digestive hormones to happen. So this is why we don't absorb food as well. And mm. then the other toxicities with the leaky gut is, you know, that can, people, we don't even think about the contraceptive pill, which came out as, you know, this big, great thing in my day. But in fact, now we're seeing that it's got huge detrimental effects. So there's a range of things that can go and cause it, like, and we all know antibiotics. And the reason with the culture cuisine was like right at that beginning part, it was like, you know what? I have to be able to somehow help people feed their compost bin and get them to understand. Yeah, because I can't go and clean up. At that point, I just thought I was cleaning up the colon. Now I know I'm actually cleaning the blood. Like there's a whole... Colonics has to grow in what it actually thinks people think it of as of yeah. the the fermented foods go in and they're, they're partially digested because once you ferment it's broken yeah. down it's got that nice range of probiotics and prebiotics and naturally carrying enzymes obviously we only use organic products mm-hmm. and i really advise if people make that at home that they do try and go that extra bit to make your ferments out of organics just on a side on that i, I mean i notice we we pretty much just buy organics for home but yeah. we buy from from an organic market the gold coast the mining yeah. organic markets yeah um people say it's too expensive to buy organic but when you look at the difference in if i buy green produce from the organic markets it will sit in the fridge for two weeks yeah and easy. still have life in it yeah you go to woolies and you buy anything from there even in the organic section and it'll last two days and it yeah. turns into mush in the bottom of the yeah. fridge. So in terms of savings, I don't think, I think it's a false economy when you're saying it's cheaper to buy non-organic Again, food. Yeah. I think that, uh, I think when people say it's expensive, my always, my question is compared to what? Yeah, health. <laughs> yeah, because it, it, we don't have to, maybe what we need to do is have smaller portion sizes. Mm. Maybe we don't need to eat as much because we have such huge portion sizes in our modern, because we're a very wealthy country. Yeah. You know, the Western world is very wealthy. We eat a huge amount of food. We throw away a huge amount of food. Our portion sizes are massive to what we really need. You know, yeah. if we were eating really sustainable food that filled us up and you can go into a place and feel like I've just had lunch at your beautiful place and you can feel full because you also know not only is it good quality but it's made with love and so Mm. that's what it's about you know like we have to infuse that which is what we say we do with culture cuisine we make that with intent as a healing because they're all functional products so we do some with ginger or turmeric or garlic or whatever and the idea is that you eat that up um, and that's pre-digested. It's going to get through that because it's a lactic acid. It's going to get through your stomach, and it's going to get where we need it, right down into your um, into your colon. And it soothes inflammation. Yeah, right. It's got great, great research for when the bird flu was out. 
Yeah. It had great uh, research on uh, the prevention of the catching the bird flu when you were eating fermented foods. Wow. Which is just because it's it's your immune system, yeah. right? People get that connection. Yeah. Now, when we're actually putting in um, the pro- the probiotics or the fermented foods, I would suggest you're building your immune. That's a very important part of your immune system. Very important it's right your now army. too. Mm. So important right now. And it's what we knew. We talked about superbugs for years when people were overusing antibiotics yep. and all that type of stuff. And, you know, Louis Pasteur has a lot to answer for when he said that all bugs are bad and we need to eradicate. That's <laughs> not cool. Like, I guess it's a learning process though. You it know. is. So we're yeah. starting to learn now. And I know there's been a huge shift and transition into probiotics and... And that sort of thing. People starting to realise the, the benefits of, of it. Um, and, and I guess that's partly why we do the wellbeing bean. Is it's all aspects of, of wellbeing. It is, um, yeah. And so, yeah, I think it's, it's very important. Now, I didn't realise, but uh, probably five or six weeks prior to meeting you, you went through cancer treatment. Yeah. Oh, I always get a little bit emotional yeah, about that. Yeah, I, I was... No, no, that's cool. That's fine. Um, I'll pull myself together. <laughs> um, yeah, so last year I was diagnosed. So I had my last session of chemotherapy, which I never thought I would do. Um, it's very humbling process being sick and being caught out going, gosh, what am I doing? So last year, around in the middle of the year, I was diagnosed with lymphoma. Your, your choice, you said then that you thought you'd never do chemo. Mm-hmm. Was that a choice you thought you'd go down the natural therapies path only? Yeah. And well, I, d- I didn't think that I'd ever get cancer because it's not in my family, number sure. one. And then if I did, I, look, I've got clients that I've said this to and I've had some of them quote back to me, which I've actually apologised. But uh, I said, yeah, like I would never do that. Why would I put all that poison in my body? Yeah. You know, like my body's obviously struggling anyway. Yeah. So why do I want to add to that? And then I was left in a position of really not having a choice unless I wanted to die at that time. Mm. Really, it was at that level for me. Yeah. yeah. Right. So it was a was it a um, was it through your body or the cancer is through your it's body? So I had yes, so lymphoma is seen as a blood cancer, yeah. and I think it's probably good for people to start to understand that any cancer it might present itself in a certain part, but it's always through your body because your blood runs through your body. Yeah. Yeah, and same with your lymphatic system. I had a big mass tumour on my chest and work was going up into my throat. Wow. Um, it's seen as an aggressive something, something. I can never remember. <laughs> They're always a very rare breed of <laughs> They're really always aggressive. those things, it's, it's, you know. It but what it did was it put a big hole in my throat mm-hmm. and that then put a lot of fluid onto my right lung. So I had like... In total, five litres of fluid drained off my right lung. Wow. Um, one litre of that outside of hospital and then the next one was in ho- when they actually ended up, because I wouldn't go to hospital, right. and they ended up making me have this PET scan and, and uh, they'd come out in big welcoming community. I thought, oh, we're having a party. <laughs> and they were conning me to get into hospital. I could hardly breathe at that point. Like when I look back at that, and my daughter would talk about that more, but, um, and I wasn't really eating because I, it actually hurt at that stage. Sure. The tumour got so big it was actually. So it was the whole internal? Yeah, yeah, but so the, they wondered if it was esophageal, so it wasn't coming from the esophagus out, it was coming from the lymphoma into right. my throat that made so that hole. Yeah. So, um, and that, that tumour just growing. So, yeah, because of that and the fluid that took a weekend to get off, 
uh, I had to have a stent put in as well in my throat, which is about 12 centimetres of... They call a flexible stool uh, steel. It didn't feel like that. It felt... Um, it was horrible. It was actually a horrible few months of my life. It was oh, like I think it's very a lot of pain. And <clears throat> so in that, because I had to shrink the tumor, tumor quickly, um, yeah. uh, the chemotherapy was the option. Yeah. Mm. So it, it's sort of, you can't judge until you've been there. No way. So, so humble, so humble. We're there, all of my clients um, that are walking on the other side and this side with me who, who journey with the cancer journey. Um, it's such an individual journey mm. because there's so many different cancers as well. Cancer's not cancer. No. And how we respond to that. I have responded very much in that it was still very much an emotional cellular memory issue for me. Um, so I really wanted to recognise and heal that part of the trauma in my body of lungs around deep grief and throat mm. about speaking up. So going there and doing lots of work around that. And I also did lots of work and would, so I couldn't eat. So what I would do was enemas mm. um, because I couldn't drink either. So right. if I wasn't in hospital, I would be doing enemas daily just on water really just to get the hydration because it was gotcha. I wasn't so worried about food I just wanted to get hydration and at different times I'd try supplements if they didn't make me too sick yeah in, and in fact even my um surgeon for the throat what are they called oh my god I've just had a mind blank That's but right, not the gastro it. the yeah. endo <laughs> they said oh because I told them I was doing because they said they were, su- the, they were surprised that my fluid intake at different times was quite good yeah right and I said I do animus to keep my fluid in because yeah. I can't get any. And uh, they went, oh, that's a very clever idea. Yeah. And I said, yeah, it's been around for a while, like that's since the, Gershwin, the Egyptians. Gershwin treatment as well. You know, that was a big thing. And, and this is where my interest in it has come in because, you know, we have a friend who's, who's been diagnosed with cancer and, and she came to me and asked me about uh, their golden roast. Yeah. And that's where I started roasting for her coffee that was a golden colour and you want more nutrients and, and those sort of things. I didn't actually understand what I was doing. Yeah. But it, the, the, the logic to me was the more goodies or components that were in the, the active coffee. Ingredients. Yeah, the active yeah. ingredients. Yeah. Um, the better it should be because that's what you're using it for. So had you used coffee as a coffee enema prior to to recently or you had yeah yeah so um when i originally was taught colonics we called it rectal feeding so the old lady that i actually learned from margaret white and i like to acknowledge her because she was a forerunner in a day sure. of of colon hydrotherapist slash naturopaths in those days she worked in queensland up and down um but she called it rectal feeding right so she would make different potions and we had um and she would often treat people with cancer with either coffee and molasses actually for nutrient because it's a high mineral yeah Yeah, so um but yeah yeah so i i've had done coffee animus since then so keeping coffee animus and colonics is quite separate but we would actually do the colonic and then as part of the colonic we implant the coffee right so we do it as as part of our colonic treatment as opposed to doing an enema at home by so what's the difference between an enema versus a colonic because i think that's as far as most people are concerned it's just they're all the same yeah 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 (laughs) exactly yeah i know i know do you want (laughs) an orange one or a banana (laughs) one the enema is um typically something you'll do at home by yourself yeah you will typically have a bucket or a bag 
people will say you put in up to two litres of fluid into that. Mm-hmm. Um, it can be a cup. It can be half a cup if it's high-quantity nutrient. Um, and the idea is that you will put that... that that bucket's got like a tube on it and a nozzle and that nozzle goes into your rectum and then that liquid goes into there and you get that to stay into your sigmoid colon you really want it to stay there for 12 minutes 15 minutes it takes about four minutes because they're in your sigmoid colon or above the top of your rectum there's a vein system a venous system and that goes straight back to your liver and how i know that works is because there's this thing called top shelfing and ledging and that's where we put drugs up our bottom Mm. and if you're very sick in hospital they also will do that as well because if you can't take anything in your mouth they'll use the rectum so this is where margaret's rectal feeding i think would have come from in those in those medical terms um so the enema is what you do at home and you do that at home um, in the privacy or in bathroom. That really only is about cleaning your sigmoid colon, the first part of your colon, closest to your rectum. And it is, yeah, often people will put something in it, like coffee yeah. and whatever, to go in there. The colonic really, and so we do a closed colonic. There's an open colonic where you'd once again do that by yourself mm-hmm. and, that's just, and relies on your bowel's own integrity to hold that water. The closed clinic like we do is that you come in and you have a therapist and the therapist does the insertion of the tubing for you and that tubing's got an inlet and an outlet on it. So we're taking the filtered water in and then we're taking the matter away. It doesn't just rely on the person's own bowel integrity to be able to hold water. We can manipulate that water with the with the device that we use and then what we do is um, get that to get them to hold that and release that and we then absorb the water with that as well with the what we're trying to work out now is you know with the roasting and and where it comes from me is we've had a discussion about the 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 benefits of the Mm. coffee enema and the Gershman treatment as far as I can understand is um, it actually helps you get through the treatment of chemotherapy and radiotherapy is that because of the caffeine levels that go in or is it just the cleansing of the liver or is it any of those things yeah so i think i think really what the coffee does when we do a coffee um, implant or enema it's asking the liver to open its bile ducts and it's expanding those and once they open then and they that's can, the caffeine and it's the stimulant. caffeine and the other stimulant that yep. you've got in there that i can't remember it starts with a p that other yeah. um, that <laughs> other ingredient yeah. that we have the magic one um but both of those basically open that bile duct and that allows the toxins to move so we're really because you've got to see your liver and your colon are connected they're not separate organs yep. they're the same organ really connected through the blood system so anything that's toxic in the colon is going to the liver actually has to convert those toxins and get rid of them because that's basically it's our garbage bin as well as our converter it's an amazing organ so yeah it's dilating the bile ducts it's really the key thing is about why it's doing it yeah and it's just helping your body to jump the dump the toxins and i know gerson he they don't necessarily agree with colonics like mm. they actually see it as a, that enemas are good enough yeah my response back to that and i respect gerson very much for what he went through and his sister that uh sister or niece charlotte who still works at the gerson therapy in mexico but they don't actually understand colonics like we do now like mm. i actually believe that 
well, I have been instrumental in actually making clinics be seen as different and actually how we actually do the technique. It's not just about cleaning out the colon. Yep. It's not just about the waste. It's about the water absorption and working with the liver yep. because the water will also promote the liver to dump. Yeah, the, but the Gerson therapy very much is about the coffee and the coffee has a really important role to play. Like there's people that swear by it. And, mm. and I guess we see it in the clinic and that's what I'm excited about our conversation and stuff is like because I haven't wanted to get this in the past to be honest because I have only wanted to use the certified organic and to find that in this country Mm. that I can be clear that there's no chemicals in there I I actually haven't been able to find it Um, so it was a blessing to be able to find you and go no this is what you've got is what you're telling me it's like wow like let's do this so I can actually put that into the clinic so now we can offer that again as part of our treatment yeah Yeah. that's fantastic so we were discussing earlier um that you've enjoyed the free calf i love the free calf but it's it was interesting that you said the caffeine didn't seem to affect you you know when you used it in the enema in the Mm. the enema so you you've not drunk coffee for how long a year, really. a year and and I've got to tell you I'm I'm a coffee addict yeah. like if you had have told me I'd be drinking caffeine free coffee I would have laughed at you yeah. right yeah. yeah oh that's good <laughs> um, and it was more that I was interested because you've you've avoided coffee is that because of do your um, taste buds have gone and you just have no desire for coffee or is it the effect that it has on you or is it um, is it something else so probably a combination so Um, I I didn't have any desire for anything and the desires are only really coming back now, to Mm. be honest. Problem with coffee that I've always had, because my body's quite acidic, it will go because stress, nothing else. Coffee has a problem of acidity. That's kept me away because I know that cancer can't breed in an alkaline body. Sure. So that... As far as I'm concerned, it's not the... It's the heat process that creates yes. the acid not the caffeine yes so no, the caffeine doesn't do it exactly yeah. so this is where you know why i supplied you with the cold brew and yeah. coffee you know that we brewed yeah. over 24 hours because it was low acid yeah so going to a, a a cold brew and do what we do in the in the cafe which is called a katy perry it has very very low acid it has about 70 70 percent less acid than um, normal heat brewed coffee. Yeah. So if you went to that and just had you know half a cup of cold brew, heated that up, and then added boiling water, then you'll find that it's low acid. It also doesn't seem to affect your stomach. So a lot of people find think think that it's the caffeine that's affecting them, and it's not. It's mm-hmm. actually they they feel funny in the tummy and they feel yeah. all sort of jittery. Yeah. Um, a lot of the time it's actually their stomach that's giving those flips and the, the yeah. butterflies that you get. Yeah. And that's if you can counteract that and still ha- enjoy coffee if you go with a cold brew. And we're finding yeah. that a lot in, in the shop. So I just found it very interesting that through, through having it through the enema, it didn't seem to affect you, especially if you hadn't drunk coffee so long. And I've got to say I'm very sensitive. So I have had a couple of coffees at different times in the last couple of months. And that I'm very sensitive to the caffeine now that I've never been. I've, mm. I've never noticed that before. As in, it would just keep me really alert yeah. and I couldn't go to sleep at night. Even yeah. if I had it at 9 o'clock in the morning, I still couldn't sleep at night. Well, your adrenals are probably not through the roof anymore. And, and as you are on that previously, you were probably on a cup a day. Oh, easy. Which yeah. is, which is yeah. one cup every three days is on an addictive cycle. So, oh, no. um, 
Yeah. I come from a very addictive background. I, <laughs> I have eight cups a day, oh, eight wow. espressos a day when I was in Sydney. Yeah. I know, crazy. Bottle of wine at night to um, bring me back <laughs> down. Downers. <laughs> That's pretty normal. Sounds like the hospitality industry. Yeah, but um, but I didn't, you know, I did. And I loved having those um, animas with the cold brew. And it feels really nice. They feel really nice in my body, which might sound weird to people, but... You don't, what I really probably, I know you asked me this before and I've been trying to pinpoint it, but what's very interesting, I'd be interested to see how other people go because often people can put something like coffee in and then it has a very quick reaction so they can't hold. So the biggest complaint you'll have from people is, I can't hold it for five minutes, let alone 15 minutes or half an hour. How do you do that? I had no problem holding. And I think that that's a really interesting thing. I think there's, because there's, it is that cold brew. Maybe it's the acid is so, so there's no aggravation there. So the way I roasted that coffee was um, very, very long process, and I didn't allow the coffee to go above 130 degrees, which is very different to the roasting process because we we get to a thing when you're roasting for for flavour is the mallard effect, mallard effect, yeah. which is where the caramelisation of the sugars occur, and that's why the coffee goes brown. Yeah. Um, so. For me, when you look at all of those particles going up the chimney, you're losing all those goodies that we yeah. were talking about before. Yeah. But that, that low temperature, low and slow, I guess, yeah. and not allowing the coffee to get to what we call the first crack, which yeah. is when it, it changes and the, the beans start to expand, yeah. but to dry them out to a point where they're actually able to be ground. Yeah. Um, it does take a lot more time and effort and to be watching the roaster because you haven't got a program for it. You know, it, it cuts out halfway through the, yeah, through yeah, the process, right, so you've got to light everything again. Um, I'm sure I can change that. But, yeah, so what I did was I, I roasted it very, very light, um, and then what we did was we used a cold brew process and brewed it over 24 hours in zero to four degrees yeah it's a very different i wouldn't you know when you smell it it's it's almost peanut butter like as opposed yeah. to coffee it's very yeah, very yeah, different yeah, it is. so um yeah so i'm hoping that that sort of opens a window for you i guess well i'm really excited about it so i can't wait to take it back to our clinics mm. and um to share it with the girls and for us to start to offer it to our clients yeah we'll definitely be doing that cool. in all of our clinics and we do have them like here on the gold coast and sunshine coast and so they'll be able to look us up and uh, find out where we're doing the coffee Brilliant. for sure. Yeah. So, Sue, how can people contact you? Probably the best way is that they can go to our website, so bottomsupclinics.com.au. Um, on there, you'll find a locations page. So depending on where you are, you can jump on the location page and uh, find one of our clinics. If you wanted to see me for a consult personally, um, there is I do Zoom online consult, so they can pop on there. I just have limited numbers of those a week, and that's an hour and a half process but it's good process for people just to go through um, working out solutions um, and of course then we've got Facebook and Instagram or all of those other things. Cool. <laughs> Excellent. So thank you so much for coming in. It's been a pleasure having you. You're welcome. Great. Loved being here. It's been great. Thank you. Before we go, if you want to know more on the Wellbeing Bean, head to our website freecaf.com where you'll find all the latest information on our full-flavoured, chemical-free and caffeine-free coffee. You can order special blends online or single origin. You can also email us at info at You can also join us on social media by following us on Instagram, liking us on Facebook, where you can also leave a comment about this week's topic or interview. This episode of The Wellbeing Bean has been recorded on the Gold Coast at Noego Espresso Lounge and Coffee Roastery. I'm Dan Salter, the coffee guy from the Gold Coast. Thanks for listening to The Wellbeing Bean and we'll catch you soon.